You are currently listening to a Suffolk Free Radio podcast. The views and opinions expressed on the Best of Beantown podcast are the views and opinions of the show personalities only and do not reflect those of Suffolk University, Suffolk Free Radio, or those of the Student Leadership and Involvement Office. Adult language may be used. Listener discretion is advised. Everyone and welcome back to episode five of the Best of Beantown podcast. I'm Josh DePeel here with Chris Sliwa and James Sampson, and we have a guest host here with us today. Celia Balfour is here. How are all you guys doing? Doing good. Great. Happy to be here. Living the dream. So this last week and a half has been hellish in terms of the amount of sports news that we got. So we're going to go with the most recent, most or biggest New England news, probably out of this last whole week, starting off with the show. Trent Brown was traded from the Las Las Vegas Raiders back to the New England Patriots. They sent over a 2022 fifth round pick to the Raiders in exchange for Brown um, and a 2022 seventh round pick, according to ESPN. Uh, if you don't remember Trent Brown, he previously paid for the, played for the Patriots in 2018, and he started every single game in that team's Super Bowl championship season. And he was an instrumental part in that, um, that title run. He was major in helping the run game go off with James White and Sony Michelle. Um, and after that season, he signed a huge contract with the Raiders. It was a four-year, $66 million deal, and that was making him at the time the highest-paid offensive lineman in the league. Uh, but since then, the last two seasons, Brown's only played 16, 16 games. Um, uh, but he came into England now. He restructured his contract. He now is on a one-year deal worth, worth $11 million. He'll be a free agent at the end of this upcoming season. He originally came to New England from the Niners. But Chris, what do you think about Trent Brown coming back to New England? Well, that's, I mean, it's definitely something that the Patriots need, obviously. We saw last year Cam Newton barely had time to throw the ball or do anything most of the time, so it's definitely an upgrade what we had last year. Obviously, it's not everything that the Patriots need right now. They need literally anything they can get. But, I mean, in terms of the offensive line, it's definitely going to be much better than last year, and hopefully this is just the beginning of all the different accu- oh, accus- not accusations, acquisitions the Patriots are going to make. Forgot my words right there. James, what about you? Yeah, I like the move. Um, you know, there's a reason he got that huge contract with the Raiders. Uh, he was awesome when he was here. The only thing that I'm thinking of is that I think this means the end of the Isaiah Wynn project at uh, left tackle. So they'll probably shift him over to a guard position or something like that. Um, and it probably also means that we're not going to bring back Joe Tooney. So to me, I mean, I'm excited to have him back in here. He was a great player when he was here. He was you know, he's always up to the Patriot way. But um, with the repercussion of what's going to happen after, I don't know how much better our offensive line gets. But for the the way he restructured his deal, he's not breaking the bank necessarily. Um, and then he's got a year left to prove that he's still one of the best tackles in the league. So, I mean, I like the move. I think I, we have like $70 million in cap room to play with. So I hope we make a lot more moves after this. And hopefully this is just the beginning. 
Celia, do you remember Trent Brown when he was in New England? Vaguely. Um, you said back in, it was 2018. Yeah. Um, I think like in terms of this move now, I think it's a, I think it's a good move. I mean, it's a little concerning to think about, um, you know, the injuries that he struggled with, but the fact that, you know, he's signed just this one year deal, I think it's kind of a smart move. Um, we can always do something more after the fact. Um, and like James said, it's not really breaking the bank. And I think it's only up from here for him and, you know, the Patriots. So. Josh, wasn't he also an all pro the one year he was with the Patriots or am I wrong on that? I think not, he might have been. I think the season before oh. with the Niners, he was, however. Um, and oh, then, no, I'm looking at Wikipedia. It doesn't even say he was an all-pro. Never mind. Oh, no, he said he was a pro bowler. That's what it was. Ah, he played like one in 2018, though. He was – I don't remember if you guys remember how big he was, but this guy was like six foot eight. I think he's he was massive. Tom Brady had no, never had a tackle like that huge his entire career. Um, he's had who Matt White is coming to the top of my head, Sebastian Vollmer, but Trent Brown was just a freaking tank of a human being, man. Um, but honestly, with this, we had some success in the running game, but it's definitely petered off since 2018. Damian Harris was pretty good. Uh, but Sony Michelle, he's been you know kind of hit or miss for a lot of games, so I'm hoping yeah. this is going to bring some consistency back into that running game. But yeah, like you said, James. Um, Joe Tooney's probably now out the door because I don't see him being he was not franchise tagged before the deadline so he's now a free agent um, and then also they have their their um, former rookie Kyle Wenu, who was ranked as a top five rookie um, out of the entire draft class and he was like a sixth round pick so he was an absolute steal um, yeah I'm very excited because we need any offensive help we can get for our quarterback and to let the receivers that we have give them even more time to get open because lord knows they weren't able to um any mm. last thoughts you were just talking about sony michelle i mean i think 28 that 2018 season was probably one of his best seasons i've seen um for him Absolutely. In the yeah so we're going back to that 2018 draft if we can now that i was thinking about it now that isaiah Wynn will probably be not a tackle anymore if you look back at that draft it was actually like in my opinion it looks historically bad because you picked Isaiah in first then you picked Sony Michelle who's had probably the best career on this list and then it goes Duke Dawson Juwan Bentley Christian Sam Braxton Berrios uh, Danny Etling um, Crossan I don't even know who that is and then Ryan Izzo who should definitely not be a starting tight end so um, yeah, not to be a downer, but that 2018 draft looks pretty atrocious looking back at it. I always forget, James. Is it Was it Michelle and Wynn that were taken before uh, Lamar Jackson, or was it just one of them? Um, I think I think it was just one. What Lamar Jackson was a first-round pick, correct? Yeah, yes. Right at the end of the first round. Okay, yeah, then Michelle was right after that. Yeah. Um, but we also could have had Nick Chubb. And, of course, we ended up with Sony PlayStation, so, oh, well. James, you're, you're doing a little bit too much hating on Isaiah Wynn. Isaiah Wynn has not been that bad. I know he's had some injury durability problems, but he played pretty well. You know, besides 
the he tore his ACL in his rookie season. That kind of sucked. So that made people forget about him. But he's no Dominique Easley or anything like that. You know, he's been he's been pretty solid as an offensive lineman. At least last year he was. But Sonny Michelle, you know, he's hit or miss, like I said. But he mm-hmm. runs hard. So I would like to see him work in tandem with Damian Harris more this year. I don't know what the future is for James White because I think he's a free agent, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So, um, Future's probably in Tampa Bay. Ugh. <laughs> Gosh. Hope not. Yeah, they don't even need him in Tampa Bay. There. They don't need him down there. They kind of do. He'd definitely guys. be the best pass catching back. That is true. Fournette's kind of a runner, and so is uh, Rojo. The rich will get richer. That's how it always works out. So, yep. All right. Moving on. There was another big Patriots rumor this past week. Um, according to ESPN's Mike Reese, Jimmy Garoppolo is reportedly the far and away plan A for the Patriots at the quarterback position. Um, James, what do you think about this? And does this essentially mean that Cam Newton is out the door? Now, I've been saying it for weeks, and it's not just a name bias, although he does have a, a great name. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys know how I feel about Cam Newton. You know, he came in here, he said all the right things. Um, we did what we could. We won seven games, you know. We probably could have won a lot more, too, with like four or five of those games being really close. But, you know, I've been saying it for weeks. I definitely wanted to see if we can bring back in Glassbones Garoppolo. I think I'm going to trademark that. I don't know if anyone's ever said that before. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, let's bring him back in and see. I mean, Belichick has a crush on the guy. We know that. So he'll finally get that guy, and we'll be able to see, you know, if it really was Belichick or Brady. Because right now, Brady's got a leg up. And I think think the 49ers are more than happy to move on from him. So I don't think it's going to take a ton to get him. Like, if they get Sam Darnold from the Jets somehow, I think they'll give up Garoppolo for next to nothing, possibly even release him. I mean, that might be pushing it, but. Um, yeah, I know. I love this news. I hope it really comes true. Celia. Yeah. So I did kind of want to ask, what do you, what exactly do you think far and away in plan? I mean, obviously plan a, I get that, but what, what is that supposed to kind of mean? I think he's the number one target that they want at quarterback. Obviously, yeah. obviously they don't know if they want to give up the assets for him, but he's the guy that mm-hmm. they want number one behind center at the start of next season. Well, Bill's not really the one to cough up a lot of dough. Um, historically, he's let a lot of guys go, and we could get into that later in terms of just losing all the players that we've lost just in Boston sports in general. Um, but you know what? I, th- I wanted him back like years ago, and I thought, I don't know. Maybe it was like around 2018. I could have sworn that there was like some rumors flying around a couple years ago, um, and so I've always wanted him back. I think that he's kind of developed a little bit more. He definitely got to learn on Brady. And I would, I would love to see him back. When, when you mentioned Cam Newton, I mean, I was hopeful. I was really, really excited um, when I first heard we got Cam. And then I was <laughs> kind of patient and trying to be as optimistic as I could. But I think we need to go a different direction. So like James said, I'm I'm excited and I hope that works out with Jimmy. Chris? All right. So, I mean, I definitely don't hate the idea of Jimmy Garoppolo coming back. Obviously, he would be a much better passer than Cam Newton was this past season. 
But, I mean, I just don't even know if Jimmy Garoppolo would want to come back to New England after the whole debacle a couple of years ago where obviously Belichick wanted him to be the starter and then Brady did the end around to Kraft to make sure Garoppolo got shipped out of the town. So I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo still has hard feelings about that situation. Obviously, I've been saying for weeks. I've been saying for weeks I want Cam Newton back on the Patriots. I don't care if people trash that take, but I just think he just didn't have enough this year. And I think if we actually gave him weapons, he can do some good things. And James, like you said, there were about four or five games that easily could have gone the Patriots way. So, I mean, he did what he could this past season to win games. It just didn't go to the Patriots way. So, I mean, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo would probably be the better option, but I still kind of want Cam back. Do you think it would be a long-term thing? Uh, I don't know if Bill will commit. Bill will commit to that since Garoppolo can't stay healthy. But yeah, if he can stay healthy, then maybe. But I don't think it would be long term. Mm. I'm not really sure what his contract's looking like either. Do you guys think with this roster as presently constructed, do you think Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback will do better than Cam Newton did last season? If he does, not by much. Not as currently constructed, but there mm-hmm. are a ton of wide receiver free agents out there that would be difference makers like Juju or um, Kenny Galladay. And then if somehow we can get Kyle Pitts in the draft, I mean, we're a few steps away from, I think, being serious uh, competitors. So, Listen, man, I have been wanting Jimmy Garopp ever since, I think it was 2015, if I'm remembering correctly, the year that he got shipped out. It was right after the Seattle Super Bowl. Or was what, I don't remember the exact exact year, but right 14. after that, it was what year? I think it was 14. Was it 14? 14 okay. 15. Yeah. So right after, I was like just running through my head. I was like, you know what would be really funny and just would piss the whole league off is if this guy eventually came back into New England after Tom Brady retired and the Patriots got like a free second round pick out of the whole ordeal. But, you know, a lot of things have changed since then. Um, but I still do really like Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, besides the whole, to quote Stephen A. Smith, porn star Jimmy stuff that he had go on. Um, but you know, aside from that, I think he's a really good quarterback who has durability issues, but honestly, it would make me really happy and nostalgic just to see number 10 back in Patriots blue. Um, but another thing I do think it's possible um, like you said, Celia, like the Patriots don't really do this, but you know, if like the Trent Brown trade is any indication that was also uncharacteristic, I think this is going to be an uncharacteristic offseason for the Patriots. So I do think that there is a strong possibility, especially considering how much Bill liked Jimmy and then, you know, he wanted him to be Tom's replacement. I do think that there is a strong possibility that he does end up forking over maybe a third or a mix, I'd say highest second round pick for Jimmy. Um, considering that the Niners probably a lot of the fandom wants to go in a different direction. But I also am very curious about what this means for our backup quarterback. And I also noticed that Jacoby Brissett is also a free agent. So Mm. I'm wondering if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't end up becoming the quarterback who comes back. Do you guys think Jacoby Brissett, do you think there's any possibility that he comes back and quarterbacks this team? Not really. I think if anything it would be more likely Cam Newton than Jacoby Brissett. But also just to go back a couple minutes ago, the trade was in 2017 when the Patriots shipped him off to San Francisco. And I believe that was the same season Patriots lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl. But I mean, that season the 49ers were horrible and they couldn't win a game. 
then all of a sudden Jimmy Garoppolo starts and he couldn't lose for them. So, and obviously he can win wherever he goes, I think, but just a matter of where he goes, if he goes anywhere. Is it really the Eagles? Wow. Feels a lot longer ago than that. Yeah. (laughs) We're in the twilight zone. Time is moving in a very weird direction. (laughs) James, do you think uh, Brissett could come back? Um, I mean, obviously it could happen. He's very familiar with the organization, but I think there's a better chance that Bill Belichick could talk Andrew Luck uh, out of coming out of retirement than having Brissett back here, to be honest. Because I don't think <laughs> I don't think uh, Belichick had the same amount of love for Brissett that he had for Garoppolo, um, and he also has been tied to like you know other players like Andrew Luck. So, sure, it's definitely feasible, but uh, I just I don't think it's going to happen. I think that ship has sailed. So, who do you think will be quarterback for um, the Patriots next season, James? Do you think it's going to be Jimmy? Or would it be a, some rookie quarterback we haven't drafted yet? Well, considering that they're, the way that they're, they're talking about it is basically like tampering right now, I'd say it's pretty far and away their number one goal. Um, yeah, I do think something like that will happen. I think Garoppolo will be the quarterback. And I think it's not going to happen anytime soon, though. I think they're going to play the waiting game because the longer this goes on, uh, the more of a chance for San Francisco to actually find the replacement. And then, um, yeah, hopefully he'll land in our lap for not a lot of assets. That's I, I think I've been – you guys know I've been saying it for weeks. This is kind of what I wanted. So I'm going to speak it into existence. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will be the quarterback of the, the New England Patriots next year. The law of attraction right there. <laughs> it works, I'm telling you. It does. All right, guys. Any last thoughts? No. All right. So we're sticking with NFL news. The franchise tag deadline was just yesterday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. And there was a lot of big contracts and franchise tags that happened. But one of the biggest ones first that we're going to talk about, Dak Prescott, got a huge record-breaking deal from the Cowboys. It was a four-year, $160 million contract with $126 million guaranteed, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Uh, The first three years of his contract averaged $42 million a year, and that's the second highest in the entire league, right behind Patrick Mahomes, who's at $45 million. Um, Guys, what do you think about Dak getting paid? Man, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. <laughs> I was gonna say. I was gonna say that's a lot of money to, just to go eight and eight. Don't you guys think? Come on. <laughs> if he didn't destroy his ankle last season, the Cowboys would have easily won that division. Like he he was going off. I believe he had like the most yardage for quarterbacks at the time of his injury. But I mean, yeah, it's about damn well, time he got that money. Winning that division isn't saying much because that was literally well, the worst division I've ever seen and. NFL history last year. Obviously, but at least they would have been over, probably over 500 if he never got hurt. What were they? Were they, weren't they one in three with him starting? I'm not saying the offense was amazing, but that defense was absolutely horrible. And Mike McCarthy doesn't know how to coach worth a damn on the defensive side of the ball. But he did play incredibly well last year. He did. Yes, he did. But do you guys think that he deserves to be the second highest paid quarterback in the league? Hmm. No, but Kirk Cousins doesn't belong in the top 10 either. So it's just kind of the market and that's kind of like how it is. Um, I'm surprised that, you know, 
they played this like stalemate game for so long and then they ended up just giving Dak what he wanted anyways. Like, why didn't we see this a couple years ago? That's my question. Um, Jerry Jones didn't want to give it up. I know, but he eventually did cave. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know. Probably should have happened earlier, but. Jerry did gamble. You know, this is a lot. What Dak did is a lot. What happened to Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh, like where they waited it out and they kept franchise, they franchise tagged him. And he kept waiting out for a deal. Le'Veon never got it, but Dak actually finally got it. Um, but one th- interesting thing I want to point out about the Cowboys is Amari Cooper, um, Ezekiel Elliott, and Dak Prescott are all top five um, in terms of salary per year at their position. So those three guys, Lord knows how much cap space they're going to take up. And they need a lot of defensive help on the other side of the ball. So, you know, it, it makes me raise my eyebrows a little bit. And has Dak won? He's won. I remember him winning one playoff game against Detroit. But as far as I know, that's the only playoff game that he's won his entire career. So I don't know if that's, you know, the kind of success that you can throw $42 million a year behind and just hope that he's going to take you to the promised land, especially with how bad Zeke played last year. He looked like an aged old running back and Cooper's good, but he's not. I don't know if I'd rank him in the top five of receivers in the league, maybe top 10, but I wouldn't rank him in the top five. Uh, what do you guys think? I mean, when you ha- don't have your starting quarterback in and you have a great running back, the defense is going to key in on that running back. So I think that's kind of why Zeke struggled a lot last year. But I was about to say something, but I completely forgot. So James or Celia, you can go until I remember <laughs> You were just saying, um, Josh, about how, you know, you think he's only, and you're probably right on this or very close to it, how he's only had like one playoff win in his pretty much entire career. I was reading this ESPN article. Let's see who wrote it. Give him credit. Todd Archer. Um, One of the first things he mentioned was how now, you know, Dak now thinks that he can lead the Cowboys to the the Super Bowl. I mean, how, I mean, wishful thinking, but like, how crazy is that? I mean, it's not crazy. What do we think? There's too much money allocated to the offense. I mean, I know offense is like what everyone wants to see. You want to see high numbers. You always want to pick the over. Like life's too short to bet the under. But just check out the Super Bowls from the last few years. I mean, even last year with Tampa Bay, I mean, they won because they overpowered one of the best offenses we've ever seen. So I think until they actually start spending some money on defense, I think the good old Cowboys will go eight and eight for the next, for the foreseeable future. So. What's that old saying? Defense wins championships. Offense yep. sells tickets. Defense wins championships. There you go. Going back off of the money issue, Adam Schefter tweeted earlier that they actually restructured contact, the contracts for three different offensive linemen, creating roughly $17 million in cap space. So, I mean, hopefully they use that for some defensive players since their defense, I'm pretty sure, was one of the worst ever, statistically speaking, last year. So, at least I have some money now. But, yeah, they – definitely kind of have a lot of money thrown at those three guys that we mentioned before. So I don't know what else they can really do, but also who is it? Their cornerback Byron Jones. I believe he's like one of the highest paid defensive backs in the league too. And I don't think he really is one of the best at the moment. Yeah. You know, and touching on the offensive line, that's not the same offensive line that they had back when Romo was the quarterback and they almost beat green Bay and the Des didn't catch game. That offensive line that season was amazing, but um, what was I going to say? I think a lot of par- a part of this contract was in part connected to Tony Romo. I don't know if you guys remember 
But the year after the Dez didn't catch it, Tony Romo broke his collarbone or something. I don't remember what the exact injury, but he was out and there was so much hope about him coming back. And then he never did. And they had to throw in, I don't remember who it was in, it wasn't Andy Dalton, but it was, um, and then was way back. I think it was a Whedon. I don't, yeah. Uh, I don't, yeah. Brandon Whedon probably. Yeah. Brandon Whedon. And then even before that, they had Tony Romo get hurt again and they had John Kitna play quarterback for like a good portion of the year. So I think a lot of this is, you know, Jerry thinking, you know what? I need, I need my guy. I need to lock him up. I need to make sure that he's going to be my quarterback for the future. And my what? I put all my chips on the table. So I think a lot of that is based on his history with Tony Romo. But, you know, I don't see this team beating Green Bay, beating Tampa Bay, or, hmm. you know, um, see, I don't Rams see too. Yeah, or Seattle or the Rams. Well, or maybe even Arizona, considering the addition of J.J. Watt and that defense that they're going to have. Lord knows what they're going to do if they have to play each other because that offensive line ain't that good. But, you know. They'll beat Seattle once, he's, once Russell Wilson's playing for Chicago. <laughs> We'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, yeah, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think Cowboy fans are going to be disappointed, which makes me very happy. But... It'll make Stephen A. Smith happy. That'll be damn sure. <laughs> that it will. So, some other big news. Other than the DAC, the huge DAC contract, there was some big franchise tags that got signed by other players. Chris Godwin, he would be tagged by Tampa Bay. Um, he was a suspected free agent receiver that the Patriots could potentially target, but he ends up going back to Tampa Bay. Levante David, also another Tampa Bay contract. He signed for two years, $25 million. Um, Aaron Jones, the Green Bay Packers running back, he was not tagged. Um, Adam Schefter says that the Packers will try to re-sign him in free agency. Um, Hunter Henry, he was not franchise tagged by the Chargers. He's the tight end. Um, and then Allen Robinson, who was pretty much going to be the number one receiving target on the on the market if he became one. He's got tagged by the Bears, and he's going to be paid $18 million next season. Uh, Malcolm Butler, which I know you want to talk about, Chris. He was released by the Titans. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, just earlier this morning, he was released by the Saints who weren't just – an atrocity of a salary cap situation right now. Um, and then Nikhil Harry, there's also been trade rumors about where he might go. So um, guys, any of these things stand out to you? Hunter Henry, for sure. I think, I think at the start of the season, either him, Zach Ertz, or Kyle Rudolph will be a tight end for the Patriots. I'm just not sure which one it'll be first, but I really like the idea of Hunter Henry coming to New England the only problem is he can't stay healthy really I don't think I don't think he's played a full 16 game season I might be wrong on that but yeah his just biggest problem is he can't stay healthy but I think if he is he'll be a great addition hopefully to the Patriots but we'll see Delia yeah no I totally agree I mean I think we were mentioning earlier about how we need to I think it was Chris maybe one of you guys were just talking about you know if Cam was to stay, giving him the assets that he needs. Um, and that would be, you know, kind of a first step into doing that. So um, it would be interesting to see him head our way, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, Aaron Jones is a big name to be hitting the free agent market. I know we're not going to go after him because we're not going to pay a running back like that. And um, on the Malcolm Butler situation, I don't think there's any way he would come back here after being benched in the biggest game well probably the second biggest game of his career because that one against Seattle, <laughs> i don't think 
he'll ever top. So I don't think he's coming back here. And then um, Nikhil Harry trade rumors. Well, hopefully we can get a bag of potato chips for him because I don't know, honestly, how much that guy's worth. My grandma can get more separation than that guy can. So, hey, come in case, on. In case you're wondering, I'm not a huge fan of him. No. It's been raving about him. He was raving about him lately. So I think if Cam comes back, I think he might be able to work some magic with him. But I mean, obviously. Nikhil Harry isn't the ideal wide receiver from that draft class that Patriots could have gotten. They could have gotten, was it A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf? So it's understandable where you're coming from, James. But I, I, think he, I think he still has some potential. Someone just has to get it out of him. Yeah, I don't want to dis- disrespect potato chips like that. I mean, Lays are pretty good. Nikhil Harry isn't. <laughs> if there was a position that designated a receiver just to block but to not run any routes – Frickin' Nikhil Harry would be an all-pro Hall of Famer at that position. He can't separate anything, but he can, he, can block some, he can block some secondary guys pretty dang well. But a touching on receivers also while we're at it, those big – so Chris Godwin, there wasn't any, anything concrete about him heading to New England, but – and also I don't know if Bill would have paid him that much money that he wanted – but we need a number one receiver. Lord knows we do. Jacoby Myers ain't a number one guy, even though he's a very good player. But so he's back in Tampa. And then Allen Robinson, there was some, some, um, some just inklings about him being linked to New England, but he goes back to Chicago. And now that I'm looking at it, everyone's raving about how in depth this free agency wide receiver class is. But, you know, it's, I don't think it's that special. It's a lot of veteran older guys who, you know, I don't think are going to be able to be solid number one receivers for us. So um, I think we need to look at the draft for that. I mean, I heard somewhere, this was a couple months ago, that this might be one of the best, you know, wide receiving classes um, in a while um, going forward with the draft. So if, if we should be looking anywhere, I think that's where we need to be. As long as Belichick doesn't make the pick, then yeah, I'm down with yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, I don't even get excited for the draft as a Patriots fan because he doesn't do anything, ever. I'm sure his dog will make the right decision. Just put him Hopefully. in front of Yeesh. <laughs> but uh, going back on one thing that we, we were just talking about before, Josh, you mentioned uh, Malcolm Butler being cut by the Titans. Obviously, last week we talked about Kyle Van Noy being released by the Dolphins. So I was wondering between everyone – if you could pick one person that bring back between those two, who are you going with? Butler. Easy. Same. Van, Van Noy. I'm thinking, thinking Kyle. Oh, so we got a 2-2 split. Yeah, oh I guys. mean, it was tough for me. got us a day off. But also, I, I think it was what Shane said. Like, he, he just doesn't see Malcolm coming back. It's, I mean, I know the question was who we would want, but I, I don't know if he would. Um, I just have some good memories. I mean, obviously, same with Malcolm Butler, but I think Kyle's a little bit more solid and consistent. And nobody knows the real story to why he was benched. I mean, there was wild accusations that he swung at Steve Belichick and, or, I don't know, he slept with Belichick's wife. I don't know. Like, who knows what actually happened. Okay. But um, Just after that whole debacle, like, I don't think there's interest on either side, to be honest. And I think, I think we're pretty set at cornerback. Uh, give or take what's going to happen with Gilmore. I did see that Gilmore was put into rumors for Jimmy Garoppolo, which I don't know no. how you guys would feel about that, but um, I don't know if JC Jackson's good enough to be a number one, but 
Um, I don't mean to switch the subject like that, but what do you guys think if a trade for Gilmore for Jimmy Garoppolo straight up? Is that good for us or not? It could be, but I don't think that would be the trade Bill would make for Gilmore. Like yeah. I said a couple of weeks ago, I think the best trade would be to Cleveland for Odell because it sounds like Odell kind of wants out of there too. So I think that's a win-win on both sides. But the reason why I'd rather Malcolm Butler over Kyle Van Noy is I think like with who is it, Josh Uche and Chase Winovich and like those two young guys and then Dante Hightower coming back, I think the linebacker core is kind of not set, but it's right now it's looking better than the secondary. Obviously with the McCourty brothers getting old, the uncertainty of uh, Stephon Gilmore situation. I think Butler just might be the better return than Kyle Van Noy, like the bigger impact. I agree with with you, Chris. I would also say just from a team standpoint, Malcolm Butler fits just everything that's going on, especially considering that Gilmore is – is, everyone's saying he's going to be traded. He's pretty much – he's going to be gone before the end of next season. Depending on what we get for him and what we saw last season from J.C. Jackson, um, he struggled when he was a number one corner. Malcolm Butler, um, he was a pro bowler when he was their number one cornerback. So I think inking him on like a one-year deal – to be just number one guy while J.C. Jackson still kind of works his way into the system. But just having Malcolm be just the number one guy for a year because he's had success there. He's made a Pro Bowl. I think that would be um, better than Kyle Van Noy, especially with, with Hightower coming back next year. And like you said, Chris Uche and Winovich also being there. Um, I think just Malcolm Butler fits more of the um, stage that this team is going to be in. I mean, that's a good point. I agree. I just, like I said, Kyle Van Noy is that guy. You know, he got us that day off of school for uh, the parade. So, <laughs> I don't know. He's just got a special place in my heart. And I I don't know if Malcolm Butler – I know what he used to be. I don't think he's that same player, though. I don't know if he's um, – because, I mean, for him to be released by Tennessee, I know it was probably a money issue, but I don't think he is fit to be, like, a number one. But – uh, yeah, if you're going on a player versus a player, I think Malcolm Butler is a better player. Um, so he makes some good points. Voting with your heart instead of your head. <laughs> I do that too much, I think. I think we all do. <laughs> um, so do you guys think that Emmanuel Sanders kind of switching it up still? Um, do you think Emmanuel Sanders or Hunter Henry, both of these guys have been linked to New England in the past. Emmanuel, when he was on the trade um, radar, when he was with Denver, after the end of the Peyton Manning era. And then Hunter Henry, geez, after, ever since Gronk left, he's been kind of discussed a little bit about being a possible Patriot um, coming into England. Do you guys think either of those are going to be on the Patriots at the start of next year? Emmanuel Sanders, no. Hunter Henry, yes. I think that's I, – I don't think – I think Emmanuel Sanders is too old nowadays for the Patriots to go after him. I think oh. they need to get younger. Too risky of a decision, eh? Yeah. I- Am I remembering things incorrectly, or did Emmanuel Sanders play for the 49ers, didn't he? he did. Yes. But then he, he got um, released, I think, and then the, he played for the Saints this year. Pretty sure he was in the Super Bowl with the 49ers last year. He's he been everywhere. That's what I thought. I mean, so, yeah. like, I think if we're going to actually go after Jimmy Garoppolo, I think Emmanuel Sanders would be a perfect fit to come in here. He instantly uh, – That deep pass – just by the way, James, that deep – remember, I don't know if anyone remembers that deep pass that – um, Garoppolo threw in the Super Bowl that ended up being incomplete. That would have basically won them the game. That was to Emmanuel Sanders, if I remember correctly. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I was remembering. And um, I was wrong. He's actually only 33. I thought he was older. So, I mean, I guess he could 
come to New England, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, we have so much wide receiver talent. Why would we need to bring him in, you know? Also, and like coming back to like what we've been talking about joke. in terms of Bill. Yeah, no, obviously. But um, just are we willing to put up the dough for that? Or it, it's – you just have to be smart with your decisions. So, like Chris said, I could probably see um, Henry over Sanders. God, we need some tight end help. Jesus. <laughs> I don't know if Aussie Aussie or Keen is going to come in after their rookie years because they didn't particularly do that much. But, yeah, right – James, I agree with you. Ryan Izzo was trash. So, I mean, we need some tight end help, man. Uh, we're going to trade up. I'm telling you, we're going to get Kyle Pitts. <laughs> I, I wish I wish we, we could. But um, anyway, moving on, we had some big baseball news coming out just earlier this last week. Right after, actually, I think the airing of our last show, Jackie Bradley Jr., is officially gone from Boston. He was a free agent. Um, he signed with the Milwaukee Brewers on a two-year, $24 million contract. Um, in an interview with the Boston Globe, Jackie said um, on his time in Boston, I had some great memories and developed a lot of great relationships that I will never forget. Um, and then I'm thankful for it because it helped me become the person I am today. He also said in that interview that he hasn't posted anything yet to his social media about Boston because he wants to make sure it's heartfelt. He wants to make sure it's long and not just like a simple, like, thank you, Boston, or something like that. So he wants to, because he knows how much he loves this community and how much um, his charity has done for the city. So, um, but yeah, the killer bees are officially all gone, you guys. Uh, Celia, um, I want to go to you first. What do you think about Jackie Bradley Jr. finally leaving Boston? Um, I'm really sad and I, I'm, I'm trying to not let it show in my voice, but I mean, this guy, he's always been kind of like, I've had a soft spot for him. He's, um, you know, a USC alum Gamecock. So every time I would be at Fenway, I would always chant USC. And that was kind of my little connection with him. Um, wasn't it in like, it was either October or November where he was a free agent. Um, I don't know if anyone can confirm that really quick, but it was kind of a while ago. So it was kind of something that I've thought about, but I just kind of was like in denial and I didn't think it would actually happen. Um, we've lost, we've lost Mookie Betts. I mean, Brock Holt, Ben attendee, David, Pre like all these guys. And then Pedroia retiring. This was like the last thing I, I need it. And honestly, I don't know how we're going to replace somebody like him in the outfield. I really don't. So, I mean, you're right on replacing them in the outfield. I don't really think there's anyone on the Red Sox at all that makes those crazy defensive catches, robbing home runs like he used to. So but, I mean, once, once they signed, who was it? Kike Hernandez, Marwin Gonzalez. I feel like there might've been one more. Once they signed those guys, it was kind of just clear that the Red Sox were probably not going to bring them back. I think we talked about that couple weeks ago but it definitely is sad to see him go sad to see another part of the 2018 team gone but I'm hopeful that the outfield that we have now can at least contribute something defensively and offensively although it's not as good as what it used to once be before you go James I just want to point out also in that Boston Globe interview Jackie mentioned that he didn't rule out Boston as a place to return to but um so the, the 
option and availability for him to come back was there. It's just that the Red Sox either didn't offer him a contract or they didn't offer him um, enough of a contract that the, that the Brewers offered him. Anyway, go ahead, James. Yeah, so I'll always remember Jackie Bradley Jr. as a great fielder with an unbelievable arm. Um, one thing that makes him stand out of uh, the crowd is that he's the only player I've ever seen be the hottest player in baseball for two or three months and then also be the coldest hitter in baseball for two or three months. So I think he, he had a lot of ups and downs at the plate, but I think um, his charisma and obviously his defensive skills will, will be missed. And it's, I think every episode we've kind of touched on the Red Sox a little bit. And I think like this team just doesn't have that same identity or, or feel anymore. I mean, Mm-mm. you know what I mean? The mainstay players are now players that are new for Dugo um who else i mean chris sales even relatively new i know he's been here for a few years now but he won't be back like, for a while yeah and we don't know if he'll be the same player so mm-hmm. um it's just you know it's kind of sad i mean jackie bradley jr was like the last of the killer bees to officially leave and um yeah i'm sure we'll be able to move on i don't know if uh franchi cordero is gonna be an everyday player i, I don't think I don't think he was, was ever supposed to be. So we'll have to see if he develops and becomes something. But yeah, that outfield is completely different than what it was just a few years ago when we won the World Series. So we'll have to see what happens. Well, technically, J.D. Martinez is an outfielder. And he's, he's still there, even though he's a DH. But, you know, I don't see him getting any defensive games. You know, he ain't I hope not. No. I don't want to see him in the outfield. Because <laughs> what was it? Wasn't it in the World Series a couple of years ago? Like his ankle was messed up bad and he had no choice but to play since they were in LA and there was no DH. Yeah. Like, I yeah, think there was one season, player that he almost messed up bad on or did mess up bad on. I forget what player it was though. And after his season last year, I definitely want him just to focus on hitting because he had a really bad, poor year last year. So the last thing we want to do is throw him out there and have him try to relearn how to chase down a fly ball so (laughs) one thing that i'll never forget is that grand slam that he hit in the alcs against the astros he was just like you said james he had his he had his ups and downs at the plate but when it mattered he was able to come through at least in that big postseason run he was a great offensive presence in fact he was even better than mookie because a lot of people don't remember mookie struggled at the plate for a lot of that World Series run, especially in the World Series against the Dodgers. But Jackie always is able to be pretty consistent um, with his bat. And, you know, he's probably one of the greatest defensive outfielders to ever play the game, just based on the amount of highlight reels he's able to create. But, you know, we have Verdugo, we have Pilar, um, we have Frenchy Cordero now. I'm forgetting other outfielders that we that we have. Kike Hernandez who's kind of like a utility player so he can play outfield too. Um but yeah, this team is just completely different. I don't see this team, honestly. Lord forgive me for saying this, but we're not beating the Yankees this year. The Yankees have too much offensive firepower, and you know, pitching. I think um, it's a nightmare. <laughs> Tampa Bay was just in the World Series last year. You know, they're they're going to be they're going to be there. I don't even honestly. We're not going to ever talk about the Orioles, but I don't know how the Orioles are going to do this year. Blue Jays are looking good, too. I completely forgot about Toronto. <laughs> I don't know. This this team is definitely in a rebuilding year. Uh, you know, I'll say that. But it's sad that Jackie's gone. I'm going to miss him. He's been a great player for us. So, 
Josh, uh, before we go go talk about the NBA and the All-Star game, uh, I kind of got some semi-breaking news about the NBA. According to Tim McMahon of ESPN, the Spurs and LaMarcus Aldridge are parting ways. And as of right now, they're looking for a trade for him, but most likely he might be getting cut. So is that a big man that could potentially be playing in Boston soon? I don't know. I think he might help, but I don't know. He's kind of old now. He's always – he struggled throughout his career, like in the early stages of his career in San Antonio. After Portland, he was great with um, Lillard. But after he went to San Antonio, he's been just kind of meh. He hasn't been able to live up to that huge contract he signed when he got there. But, you know, like you said, he's aged, but he's been a pretty solid contributor. He's kind of blended in well in Popovich's system. So I would like to see him in Boston, but obviously for the right price. And I don't know if I expect him to contribute that much. I'd honestly think he'd have much of the same role that Tristan Thompson is doing right now for us. I think they'd be pretty much identical. So based on that, I don't know if honestly he'd be a great target for the Celtics just because we already have a player like that. Um, Yeah, nobody wants another Tristan Thompson, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, maybe Khloe Kardashian, but. Keep the Kardashians out of Boston. (laughs) Too late. They're all right here. (laughs) Anyway, um, moving on, we're going to talk about the All-Star game. I don't know if everyone watched, um, but but, (coughs) um, Giannis was named the MVP. He was 16 for 16 from the field, if I remember the stat correctly. But, you know, obviously there's there's a lot lacks – a lot more lax defense played in the All-Star game. So I wouldn't call it, you know, amazingly impressive, but it was still pretty remarkable. He was the first player ever to do it, if I remember um, TNT stat correctly. But um, what are your guys' thoughts? Because Le- Team LeBron won all four quarters. And so that meant after each quarter, the All-Star game worked with um, the team that scored more points than the other team in the quarter, that um, – team's charity was awarded money from the NBA. So Team LeBron's charity got a bunch of money and then Kevin Durant's team <laughs> didn't get anything So from winning quarters because they, they didn't win anything. So um, what are you guys' thoughts from the All-Star game? You know, it's kind of a no-brainer that LeBron's team was going to win because, I mean, obviously they had him, they had Curry, they had Dame Lillard, uh, Giannis, obviously they had. Like, their team was so much better than um, Team Durant, especially with the in- Durant not even playing. But I was just glad the over hit when I was confused about the format of the All-Star game. So I was just glad to make a couple bucks. So I don't know how you felt about it, James. Yeah, I mean, like you already touched on it. I think Durant's team was missing – he was missing Durant. They were missing Booker. Um like, cause like Mike Conley had to like sub in and we all know, like, well, I know that he's not an all-star. I don't know what you guys think about him, but <laughs> um, yeah. And it looked like LeBron was having a lot of fun with Steph Curry out there. I wouldn't put it past him to try to team up with him before his career is over. You know, he's not really loyal to any city, so he'll probably be in Golden State eventually. Um, and then did you guys see that uh, Paul George finally apologized for, telling Dame that that was an awful shot. Like, he's finally admitting, he's like, okay, you actually have range from the logo. So that's actually a good shot now. I mean, at that <laughs> time, it was still a 
bad shot. Like, I kind of agree with Paul George. He was all over Dame's face in that playoff game and, like, just somehow buried it on him. I don't know. I think his percentage, his career percentage from, like, from that far out actually is pretty good. I'd have to look it up, but he seems to make more of those than he, than he misses. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, it's a bad shot for a normal person, but Steph Curry and Dame Lillard are not normal, so. That is true. It's All-Star Weekend. They can, they can you know, they can do whatever. But one thing that I kind of laughed pretty hard at, they had Chris Paul and Mike Conley do a jump ball, <laughs> like, at the start, which was pretty funny to me. <laughs> they had these, like, not – I don't know if they're six foot. I don't remember the height. But they had, like, these five-foot guys <laughs> doing, you know, like the like my height doing a jump ball, and they look like just super tiny next to – all the centers who were right kind of in front of him. I thought that was funny. But overall, like you said, James, Steph Curry and LeBron were just – I don't know how Durant didn't pick Curry. You know, I don't know how the – I don't remember how the drafting process worked. But, I mean, Jesus Christ, man. Don't – I don't want to – Steph Curry can play like that for a long time just because he can just sit beyond there. He can just become a spot-up shooter and hit threes all game long. You know, he's not going to have the mobility later in his career, but he can just sit there on the three-point line like Clay Thompson does and just knock down threes for, like, the next 20 years. Um, but anyway, what did you guys think of uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown um, during the game? Did anything stand out to you from them? Just looked like they were having fun to me. Didn't I don't really think I paid too much attention to, the, to them individually, but obviously just glad they're, they were both in the All-Star game. But it looked like they had fun guarding each other, that's for sure. Yeah, Jalen Brown definitely let me down in the three-point competition. He, he, just, he looked like the odd man out in that competition for sure. Um, yeah, like Chris said, it looks, just looked like they're having a good time. And it's crazy that we even had two All-Stars, to be honest with you, with the season that we've had. Um, you know, there's better teams out there that don't have two all-stars. So I was just happy to see us well represented during the game. And they both started, correct? I, I don't remember. No, just uh, Tatum. Just Tatum. Because was that, that was because um, Simmons and MB got um, ruled out because of COVID tracing, if I remember. Um, I think it was yeah. just because Kevin Durant was out. I think, he, I think Tatum was his replacement in the starting lineup. But, yeah, speaking of uh, Simmons and Embiid, uh, I think I was saying a couple weeks ago that the All-Star game was a horrible idea, and those two people were almost the reason why my take came true about why it was so stupid. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. You and your crystal ball, Chris. You know what? We're, genius. we're still going to be talking a little bit of the NBA. Um, like you said, James, Steph Curry will – Steph Curry won the three-point contest. Jalen Brown didn't show up that much, but, I mean, he was going against Steph Curry. But one thing which just kind of made me roll my eyes was this year's dunk contest. I mean, good Lord, you guys. This thing was the worst dunk contest I've ever seen. And, you know, considering the how awesome last year's was with Aaron Gordon, who was pretty much robbed by Derek Jones Jr. and Dwayne Wade and all those guys – um, I don't know if you guys watched the dunk contest, but I was just baffled at how it could just completely go down so far in one year in terms of quality. And one big thing this year that changed was last year they had Chadwick Boseman um, and Candace Parker both um, be judges. But this year there were no celebs. It was all um, past NBA players. 
And, you know, Candace Barga, she did play in the WNBA, to be fair. But Chadwick, you know, I know God rest Chadwick Boseman's soul. We all love him. But, you know, he didn't, he didn't belong as a dunk contest judge. He was constantly giving out nines while everyone else was giving out tens. So, you know. But this year they had all um, past NBA players, just, you know, including Josh Smith and Dominique Wilkins were among the both guys from Atlanta since the All-Star game was in Atlanta. But this All-Star game I just thought was horrible. What were your guys' thoughts on um, on just this atrocity that I saw <laughs> to be that – Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, first off, I mean, I my poor eyes. I mean, what were we even looking at? I <laughs> think it was a I think it was a bad idea to start with. Like, whose idea was it to like, yeah, let's just rush this during the halftime show. Like, that's gonna work out great. Um, and they had three contestants instead of four, like they usually do. I mean, the only thing that could have really made this contest any worse than it was was to have Dwayne Wade back as a judge, so he can give a nine for an unbelievably perfect dunk. You know. So, yeah, I mean, all the dunks we saw for the most part, you know, we've already seen before. I know Simmons did that one with the the little Nerf hoop where he, you know, he jumped up and, you know, but it's just, I think, unfortunately, um, Levine and Gordon have set the bar so high that a rushed dunk contest like this, I mean, it's not going to keep anyone's attention if it's like this next year. I mean, they'll be like, oh, the dunk contest on. They'll be like, all right, let's see. Let's see what else is on reality tv suite you know so exactly or you know (laughs) this break so um yeah i was i was very disappointed because um the dunk contest i'm always looking forward to so and they also the three players that they had were all very young players that aren't household names like a lot of people didn't even know who these people were if you're not actual basketball fans um and then weren't they all rookies I think they were all rookies. I didn't want to say that in case it wasn't true, but yeah, I think they were all rookies. And um, I don't know, something about the way Toppin dunks, it just doesn't look that impressive. I don't know if it's because he's six foot nine and he's not jumping that high, but I don't know. It was just a whole disaster, and I'm sure I don't need to go on any further if you guys want to share some thoughts. I mean, I didn't watch it while it was live. I just saw like quick recaps of each dunk. But I mean, kind of like we already touched upon, there has been such a high standard set in the dunk contest in the previous years that like it's not that exciting to watch it because now people really aren't living up to the expectation. So I didn't watch it in full. So I don't really have much to say about it. So um, just to just to let everyone know, um, Portland's Onfernee Simmons um, he was the one who eventually won the dunk contest. He beat out Obi Toppin um, from the New York Knicks. By the way, just as a side note, that, those were those ugly brown jerseys that Simmons wore that I talked about last week. I thought was freaking disgusting. I hate those brown trailblazer jerseys. I just say I think they look so so stupid. But anyway, um, I tweeted this out after um, the dunk contest was over, and that's where I saw it. You tweeted it, right? Yeah. About the jerseys. Yeah. Um, and then, what, what, what was I going to say? Um, I tweeted out also that the dunk contest, I felt like it's become a lot of what the NBA men's basketball team was right before the Dream Team when um, FIBA and like the Olympics men's didn't allow 
NBA players to play. So it was only college and high school athletes playing and representing the U.S. men's team. And then we, we were getting beat by a bunch of international teams in the Olympics. So then we went out and we got Michael Jordan, MJ, um, all those guys. So what I would like to see, and especially considering that we're in a pandemic, I thought it would have been nice to at least see, you know, just like some of the, like the all-stars like that were there just participate in the dunk contest rather than picking out unknown rookies. So, you know, we could have finally seen LeBron participate in a dunk contest, finally see um, uh, maybe even Chris Paul. I don't know how much he could do or how much how many hops that he has, but just some of those guys participate in the dunk contest because I think that we're going to need some bigger names going forward because the dunk contest has essentially kept on going down it goes up for one year whenever Aaron Gordon or Levine's in it just because of how great of a dunker they are. But every, every other year just kind of keeps on going down the stepping ladder. And this year, even the three point shooting contest was a bit more exciting. So that's just my opinion. My hot take of the week actually is to have more um, superstars participate in the NBA dunk contest, make it more interesting for everything. Um, I don't know what your guys thoughts are about that, but yeah, I'm not mad at it. You got to at least have something that like draws you in. Like even when Nate Robinson won it three times, even when he was in it, he's not like a, an all-star by any means, but you know, him being five foot nine and dunking at that short of a stature was something to see. I mean, these three players are basically like if you hopped on 2k and just created three generic players on, on um, create a player, you know, I mean, and then Stanley's was it? Yeah, no, it was a second dunk. Stanley's second dunk. He like, the dunk that he was going up for and if he actually came through with was actually going to be a pretty impressive dunk. Um, but he only gave it like two, maybe three tries. And then he just did like legitimately the most boring dunk I've ever seen in the dunk contest. So, I mean, I feel like the players just their heart and soul isn't into it because I don't know. It's just the competition isn't there. So yeah, I agree with you, Josh. I just don't think that those type of players are going to be doing, will be willing to participate in it. Like, LeBron's had his whole career to be in one of them. And if he isn't right now at age 35, I, we probably won't see someone like him in the dunk contest. Oh, and also, uh, James, uh, I'm correcting myself from about five minutes ago. I was wrong. Simmons is not a rookie, but the other two guys are rookies. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Simmons actually played pretty good in the bubble last year, actually, if I remember correctly. So. Yeah. Celia, do you have any thoughts? I mean, what you just said about – seeing LeBron James in, in the dunk contest. I mean, the fact that he hasn't participated like thus far that I find kind of shocking. Like, I, I don't know what you guys think about that, but I, I mean, I would love to see that. Um, I feel like he has the type of personality where I think everyone would like to see that um, type of presence. But other than that, like not really much else to say. Yeah. Like MJ, he played in the dunk contest twice. And Dwight Howard, you know, we kind of, I think because LeBron is like what thirty-five now, um, it take you have to be kind of youthful to participate in the dunk contest just to kind of be creative with it and you know get like the athletic ability to actually do some of these creative ideas that you actually think about. So it doesn't have to be exclusively LeBron, but just seeing like guys that we're invested in and we're um, we know as all stars participate in it, I think would make it a whole lot more interesting than seeing honestly, you know, lower tier guys that we don't care about. That's just my two cents. But anyway, going on, we have other big news that dropped. Also, Blake Griffin is signing with the Brooklyn Nets. 
Uh, we're going to do a real quick talk about this. Uh, James, Celia, and Chris, what do you guys think this does for the Nets, considering that we did talk about um, Blake Griffin possibly coming to the Celtics? Didn't eventually happen, but he's going to the Nets. And what do you guys think about this in terms of pushing them over the top in the Eastern Conference? Let's be real. They didn't need him. Uh, you know, his his 12 points per game, four assists, and three re- four, four rebounds, whatever it is. Um, he's not the same player that he used to be. He's not going to be – he hasn't had a dunk in close to three years. It's been at least two, I'm pretty sure, last time I checked. So he's not the high-flying Blake Griffin that the name appeal brings with it. So, of course, the rich get richer. He is going to come in. He's going to be another veteran presence. And he is – they already said he's going to come off the bench, which is – in my opinion, their biggest weakness besides the fact that nobody wants to play defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, he definitely is going to help, but I don't think he was the difference between whether they were going to win this year or not. Um, I think they were going to be in that conversation no matter what. And I think if they don't figure out a defensive identity, I don't think they're going to win the championship. So I don't think Blake Griffin is the end-all, be-all. I think he does definitely help, though. Chris? So, I mean, it definitely hurts my hot take from episode one where I said they're not even going to make the finals, although the way they've been playing the past month, month and a half, it kind of was already hurting my chances of that take becoming true. But, I mean, like James said, it's like obviously it helps them a little bit, but it's obviously not like a crazy acquisition. It's not the Blake Griffin we once knew. I think from everything I've read, he's like the small ball center, which, I mean – how much of an impact is that really even going to have? It's not like he's seven two. I believe he's like six ten, six eleven. So obviously he is sm- he is small for a center. So uh, it's it's going to help him in a way, but I just don't see like him having a tremendous impact. Although it'll probably ruin my hot take, like I said. Julia, um, so I did have one question in terms of like I don't know if you mentioned this earlier, Josh. What what does his contract look like? It's a one-year deal, if I remember correctly. It is. Do we know how much? How much do we know? It's like a million, like just over a million. Okay. So it's, you know, I mean, like James and Chris said, he's not the same guy that he used to be, but still that's kind of, I would say that's a bargain. I mean, one year, million dollars. Um, I mean, I think their team's already pretty, like, stacked. Um, So, yeah, like, I don't think it's going to be, like, a huge – deal it's not this crazy thing and it's not going to affect them greatly but it will help um but yeah overall i mean i guess it's cool good for him <laughs> yep to answer your question celia it's a 1.2 million dollar deal for one year which i believe is the, veteran. the veterans minimum yeah. yeah so short it's a low contract yeah i mean he also just got a bunch of money from the pistons since they bought out his contract so that's why he's signing for that there you cheap go. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> like I said in like last week or the week before, I don't think Blake Griffin's the same player he was in LA. Um, you know, his eight father time has kind of crept up, crept up on him, but he could be a solid um, starting um, power forward, maybe even a center considering how small they might have to make that lineup sometimes. So, you know, he could be, he could be a nice piece. He's not going to, you know, pop off or anything, you know, but he, he, he could be, he could be a good player for them, but uh-huh. Moving on, there was something I wanted to ask you guys about. So ever since Kobe Bryant's death um, recently, 
there's been growing discussion among NBA fans and NBA players also about switching the NBA logo from Jerry West to Kobe Bryant. And um, Lakers GM Jeannie Buss, she was on ESPN's first take on Monday. She said that Bryant should be the face of every sports league, including the NBA. Um, I just want to know, what are your guys' thoughts about Kobe possibly becoming um, the new NBA logo for the entire league? I mean, as someone that grew up watching Kobe Bryant and kind of being part of that generation, I mean, when you shoot a paper basketball, when you shoot a paper ball into um, a trash bin, you don't say anything except for Kobe. Yeah. So he is pretty synonymous with the league in itself. The only thing is, is that Jerry West has been the logo for, I mean, I don't know it off the top of my head, but pretty much forever. You could pretty much say since the dinosaurs were around and I believe it. So I don't think there's a pressing need for us to change the logo. Uh, I know Kobe Bryant recently passed away last year and um, he's kind of heavy in our hearts still. Um, but I just don't understand like the, like there's bigger needs out there than to worry about who's like the logo for the NBA. That's just my opinion. But if they were to change it to Kobe Bryant, of course, growing up and watching him play against my beloved Celtics and winning championships unfortunately, against my Celtics sometimes. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have any problem with him being the logo. I just don't know if it's uh, a need, you know. I don't think it's – especially for the face of every sports league. I mean, come on. He's going to be the face of FIFA. He's going to be the face of yeah, the NFL. I mean, that's what does that even mean? <laughs> I mean, he's, a, he's an incredible athlete and, you know, an icon. I think, you know, when he, when he first passed, I did a lot of reflection about just what he meant – you know, as just an American icon, not even as, you know, an athlete, like um, he, and as a woman, he was one of the biggest pioneers or supporters of women's sports. Um, he's a huge soccer fan and the, everything he did with, um, you know, his foundation, like he, he's awesome and his, his legacy will live on forever. But kind of like what James said, I don't see like a pressing need for it. I think it would be a good way to honor him. But at the same time, like there are other things that we could be worried about and there's other ways to honor him as well. Um, I don't know what necessarily, I mean, maybe one of you guys can answer this, like what that exactly means and what it would mean to you. Um, but I'm kind of torn. I mean, I would not be opposed to it. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I think it's kind of a no-brainer to um, make him the logo. Sorry to interrupt you, Josh. But, I mean, yeah, I don't have any problem with it whatsoever. I think Jerry West has even said himself, he's like, yeah, go for it. Make Kobe the logo. And going back to making him the face of every sports league, I don't necessarily agree with that. The What, what Jeannie Buss was saying about it, how, like, with his mentality, the way he approached the game, basically the way he did everything, but, like, that was the reason why he should be the logo of every league. And, like, for those reasons, I can see why she would say that. But, like, I just don't understand why you would make him the logo of a different sport that he didn't play. Kind of ties into our debate last week of retiring Brady's number across the league. I just don't see that happening. Just like how I don't see Kobe being the logo of every league. But, I mean, for NBA logo, absolutely. I think he should be the logo going forward. I've always been under the impression that Michael Jordan should be the logo, just considering the impact that he's had on the game. But, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it's just his Jordan brand is so iconic. 
And you know, that symbol, they're going to have to figure out a different symbol for what it would be for Michael. And it's going to have to differentiate from his Jordan brand. So that is going to be kind of a difficult situation. So, but um, I would like to see Kobe. I wouldn't play, you know, obviously everyone misses him, but there wouldn't be any Kobe Bryant without Michael Jordan. Just that's, that's the fact, just considering how much influence MJ had on Kobe in his game. So, but if MJ does not become the logo, I would like to see Kobe become the logo. And just, just considering the amount of impact that he's had on modern NBA players. And speaking of impact, Sealy, I wanted to ask you, especially, you know, since you're in tune with soccer and a lot of those international stars, how much impact did Kobe have on guys like Neymar and Messi and other um, soccer superstars? Um, I mean, I don't really necessarily follow you know, those guys as much um, as I do with the English Premier League. But when when I think about what he's um, done in other sports, I really just think about his his involvement in the U.S. women's national team. He's always been a great supporter of them. He's always been a really good friend of Serena Williams. Um, but yeah, it, it mainly just comes down to his support for the women's national team, um, soccer team. I've just always seen him always involved and He's just done, so, I mean, and he's, this was a big discussion when he passed, um, you know, girl dad, he did so much for his daughters um, and his sweet daughter, Gigi, like God bless her as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think I saw this one tweet. This was like very recently after he passed and it said, if you want to support um, Kobe's legacy, support women's sports, because that is something that he always just tried to bang forward and bring attention to. And I think it, within the past few years, people are starting to pay more attention to, you know, women athletes and just women in the sports industry as well. But he was kind of a pioneer of that. And he kind of made it, I don't want to say like acceptable, but he kind of, you know, like made it cool for the people that didn't necessarily, you know, know what it was all about. So I really love that about him. Yeah. Kobe had a big impact on everybody. We'll talk more about, um, soccer a little bit later in the show but you know the women's team was able to actually accomplish things we're not going to talk about the U.S. men's team and the national embarrassment that they've been the last <laughs> what two decades anyway yeah. um, moving on Chris I know you wanted to talk about the um, one-year anniversary of something that just happened this week so yeah. why don't you take it away yeah so obviously time of record dating recording it's March 10th right now tomorrow March 11th marks a year since Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz was the first, I believe the first athlete to test positive for COVID. Might have just been the first basketball player or first American athlete to test positive for COVID. But I mean, that led to the cancellation of sports for months. So I was just wondering, like, what was your guys' biggest takeaway from sports in this past year? Just in general? Yeah, just in general. What's been like the number one thing that you've taken away from sports? Um, well, I just, I remember, cause I used to, I used to work outside the TD garden. I used to work at this restaurant, A&B burgers across from Tavern in the square. And, um, I would work the games all the time. And that was part of the reason why I worked there was to work the games, skip the crowds. And I remember sitting on my break during one of the games, I think it was the Celtics were playing and getting the text saying like NBA canceled all games or like halted all games, NHL and everything. And I was like, Oh my God, like, this is, this is crazy. Um, and it kind of took a minute to, for like everything to kick in. And then Boston shut down. We were online for school 
and everything kind of happened so fast, but that was one of the first things that happened. Um, one of the big, I guess, takeaways, um, I would say like within the NFL, that was a big issue. I think with the start of their season that like, they just didn't do a very good job at containing the spread of COVID. And I know it's hard. It's something that like, we don't have any much control over, but I just remember when that first started out. And I think we even talked about it, um, you know, last semester in class, just how, how poorly some franchises and, and people handled it. Um, but, you know, it really does make you realize how much, like, joy sports brings us and entertainment. Um, there was, like, one period over the summer. And then, like, last fall, I was just, like, so bored. And I'm like, there's nothing on TV. And I think that's why everyone was watching Netflix. Because we watch our sports all the times. And there was nothing to watch. And it's, it just really makes you appreciate, like, the times and the that you get to, you know, that you get to spend with people and just reflect on it, talk about it like we're doing right now, but something else pops up, I'll bring it up, but. Yeah, to go off of that, like um, America does a great job with the four major sports, like spreading out the schedule. So like, there's always something to watch. So I think going off like what you just said, I think I did take for granted that there's always like some type of sports I could put on because that was the first time in my life where it's been, you know, over a month or so of extended time with no sports. So you know, we were going to, well, I mean, I was freaking out. I was like, what am I going to bet on friggin' what I'm going to have for breakfast next week? Like I was, <laughs> there's gotta be something to watch or something to do or something to bet on. So mm-hmm. I think that's definitely a takeaway. And then another takeaway is um, I didn't realize how much the fans meant to the sport. You know, they're just always there. You don't really think about like, you know, what would sports be without the fans, but it was kind of hard to watch. I mean, baseball isn't the most exciting sport anyways, but it was pretty hard to watch baseball with like the, the fake cardboard cutouts behind home plate and the artificial sound being pumped in. So like a big takeaway from this past year is that hopefully we can get back to normal and getting fans back in the stadium because it's sports really aren't much without the community behind it, without the fans and things like that. Artificial Um, sound was really tough for me. I don't know about you guys, but I did not like that. Definitely not to do it. Um, But yeah, Rudy Gobert is always in it for, He's always in discussions for defensive player of the year. And I think we should just rename it to the Rudy Gobert award because he shut down every single league across the board. So speaking more so on the event itself, when he was tested positive, I think just sports aside and also just on a national awareness level, like, you know, politics and everything about coronavirus, this was the first big moment as far as I can remember where it actually like you're seeing it live and it actually people like were like whoa this is actually really happening because as far as like other people knew you just saw it on tv you saw statistics and stuff and this he tested positive right before um they were in Oklahoma City playing the Thunder there's a great video breaking this down where they show Chris Paul who was on the Thunder at the time talking with Donovan Mitchell about what's going on because the referees hadn't announced it yet and like the team doctor came running out right before tip-off and just like we got to call this game off a lot of these players from the Jazz could be infected and they could be spreading the virus so um, just on a national awareness level this was just a huge moment for the country and just kind of the world as to actually you know making people realize the coronavirus is a real thing that's actually happening so 
it was a like kind of a frightening moment that night. That was like a week before they canceled, um, or just not even a week. It was like four or five days before the entire NBA season was postponed. And I remember being in a concert, um, and I just was like, I wasn't on my phone or anything. And like four hours later, I come out and my phone was just blown up with messages of like, NBA season is canceled and like a bunch and like I think the MLB or NHL follows suit or something like that I'm like dude I was gone for like three hours and the freaking world ends but (laughs) um anyway yeah that Chris you talked about it also the part or I don't remember who talked about it but the part where you touched all the mics um in that press conference that didn't look that doesn't look pretty good now (laughs) it was like a joke and now he looks like Dude, you you dumbass. <laughs> but um, anyway. Yeah, that was karma at, at work right there. Yeah. You're just being so, yeah, a kid, and then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, actually, you do have COVID, so thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, so I brought that up because, was it the other day, ESPN came out with an e- E60 called Man in the Middle, and was talking exactly about Rudy Gobert and the entire situation. And it just, like, kind of put it into perspective, like, how far we have come the past year and, like, how – much stuff has changed but was it Celia you Celia you made the point about like the artificial noise I just find it hilarious how before COVID like if if teams were pumping in artificial noise they can get fined and penalized for it I believe recently it was like the Atlanta Falcons got in big trouble for it but then now since there was no fans in the stadium it was like oh yeah pump all that crowd noise in there and get the people like get the non-existing fans going like I just find it funny how they changed so quickly about that topic it's just weird. I remember the wall-to-wall coverage there was right after he tested positive. All over Sports Center and ESPN and all the sports-related shows, it was just the, about the well-being of Rudy Gobert. Like, is he breathing? Is his heartbeat still at a consistent pace? Oh, my God, Donovan Mitchell's infected. The, are they going to be okay? It was just everyone was in a panic. And now, like, we talked about it with the All-Star game. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid could have had COVID, like, because of Trace, I'm like, oh, okay, they're not, they're going to miss yeah. it. The year we come, like you talked about, back. Yeah, it's just like, it's crazy how we've gone from like just freaking out to now like, oh, they're COVID. Okay, put them on, put them on the COVID list. They'll be back in like two weeks. So um, anyway, moving on, there was some big television news. We're talking a little bit about hockey today. Um, there was a big NHL deal um, in terms of TV rights with ESPN. So, as many of you know, the Stanley Cup and a lot of the playoff matchups have been on NBC and NBC Sports. NBC Sports is a like kind of like the Fox Sports to Fox. It's like um, like their own exclusive sports channel for NBC. That's going to be shutting down, and they're going to be partnering with um, you at the USA Network to air more sports on that. But um, ESPN struck a deal with the NHL. This is from the New York Post. Um, in a seven-year deal that could be announced as soon as this week, the ESP, ESPN will broadcast four Stanley Cups. Um, so that's huge news considering that the last um, 10 years, the NHL has been in an exclusive deal or um, in terms of primetime games with NBC for around $2 billion. And now this huge deal is going to make more hockey, is going to make hockey more available to everyone. I know I've struggled to actually get, to watch hockey because they I am only able to watch like the primetime games because just it's they have like weird TV contracts but this should allow um, some Stanley Cups to air on ABC and ESPN and allow a bit more um, people to be able to watch hockey so guys 
What do you think about this? Uh, it's about damn time, I would say, just like with the Dak Prescott deal. And, like, I didn't even think about this until last night at work when I was talking to my manager and the bartender about it. Um, like, one of the reasons why they might be doing that is because of the low numbers and ratings for baseball in the past couple of years. So, like, NHL could be potentially taking over baseball in terms of its ranking and popularity in America, which for a lot of reasons is very understandable. But, I mean – it's kind of just exciting to see that NHL is coming back to ESPN because I'm looking at this article, I don't know like if it's as exact exactly when the last time ESPN broadcasted a hockey game was, but I think I mean it's a worldwide leader in sports. It's kind of makes makes sense for them to finally go with the NHL. If I remember, um, it was 2004, I believe. So it was a long time ago. I have to look wow. to check that. Anyway, James, what do you think? Yeah, I wonder how this will completely, like, this might completely change, like, the landscape because if you ever turn on an ESPN show, like, first take or, or pardon the interruption, they hardly ever have any type of hockey topics. Like, unless it's about Ovechkin or one of the big names, they don't really talk about what's going on in the NHL. And I think if they start broadcasting games on ESPN, I think you could see um, a swing. And like Chris said, baseball has been going the wrong way for a little bit. And now, actually... I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but they're going to deaden the ball because it's been too juiced the last couple of years. So I don't know whose genius idea that was. Like, yeah, let's take away home runs. Nobody likes a home run, you know. No one likes <laughs> a grand slam. Like, more ground balls, more pop flies. But, yeah, I think this could be huge for hockey. I think um, even us, we don't talk about it enough on this show. And so I think getting back on a <laughs> – I didn't mean to diss us, but getting back on track um, – yeah, putting them on ESPN. I mean, everyone knows ESPN is synonymous with the worldwide leader in sports. So let's do it. Let's talk more hockey. And uh, I don't know. Let's do it. I found out a couple of weeks ago that Lake Tahoe is cold enough to have hockey games. So let's get some outdoor venues going and put them on ESPN. Let's do it. Before you go, Sealy, I just want to point out the last ESPN hockey game was in 2004. The first one was in 1979. So they've been on there um, for a while. They – um, aired that for nine years then there was a hiatus and then they can and then it was like the home for the nhl from 1992 to 2004 and then since then all games have been on nbc or its cable properties so celia uh what do you think about this so you said since um so nbc has kind of been like in control of that ever since, since like okay. 2004 yeah Okay. Um, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, for me, I'm from, I'm from the South. So I personally feel like hockey's a little bit underrated where I'm from. And honestly, maybe a little bit in the States. Um, obviously I live in Boston now, so it's, it's a hockey town. I'm from Charlestown or I'm in Charlestown right now. And we've got Jackie O'Callaghan, Matt Grizzlick for the Bruins right now. They're all Charlestown boys. Um, so I'm in an environment now where people are, you know, paying more attention to hockey. But one thing I did want to bring up is, um, so my my parents, and like I think you said, Josh, you were struggling to get access to a lot of these games. Um, and my parents and my dad mainly, because he's, he's the sports nut that he is, we've actually switched cable um, subscriptions to get certain games. And we've moved from DirecTV, well, we went from Dish to DirecTV, and now we use um, YouTube TV because YouTube TV goes based off area code. So they use my Boston area code back in South Carolina 
and we get all the Bruins games through like Nesson or, you know, NBC and all that. But the fact that we have to go through like hoops like that to try and watch our teams is just ridiculous. So I'm excited to see um, what this will do, you know, and, and I think Chris, you mentioned it, um, maybe James, just about how I don't see a lot of hockey on ESPN. So that, that'll be interesting to see. Um, I had one more thing I wanted to say, but we'll see if it comes back to me. Oh yeah. So that means like, if you have a subscription to Disney plus, does that, can you stream it through that as well? I would assume so. I mean, yeah. Disney plus ESPN plus all the ones owned by that company. I would, uh, if you have the package, I want to see why not. If you have the yeah. plus, package with Disney plus and ESPN plus, you probably, there's probably going to be more hockey than our coverage on that. So cool. I mean, that's huge. I mean, that's, that's awesome for the sport and for, you know, fans and, I'm excited to see, and hopefully it won't be as underrated as I think it is anymore. Yeah. Well, um, Celia, real quick, how how are you getting Nesson on YouTube TV? Because I I have YouTube TV and I have not been able to get Nesson for months, so I can't even watch Bruins and I can't watch the so- uh, Sox when they start up in a couple of weeks. So actually, do you have, you, you see you said you have YouTube TV? Yes. So yeah. recently, they just recently took it off. Yeah, my dad called me. My dad was like, "What the hell?" And but I have New England cable network, but I don't know. Yeah, I think we just have Nesson now, but that was that's been only a few weeks. But I also I live with someone that also has um, I think Directv, so I've been getting Nesson that way. But hopefully we'll find a way soon. But I don't think on YouTube TV I have New England Sports Network right now we used to i'm gonna cancel that soon so i can actually I'm gonna yeah. cancel and switch a different one if you can't get your sports what's the point like we pay so much you need to get what exactly. you exactly exactly and youtube tv ain't worth it but yeah i don't know I'm if, fan. i don't know if this was the case for you celia because you said you're from the south so you know i didn't know how big of a deal hockey was in boston until i came there because you know being from california it's just it's too freaking warm for them yeah for people to play hockey so baseball and football were kind of always like the the main big sports and basketball also but hockey was never a big deal just because of the weather here so um i'm very happy to see this because no i want any i've been kind of getting into a lot of playoff hockey and that is a it's such a good quality con like sports content it's awesome i love playoff hockey it's amazing so being able to kind of ingratiate itself with more fans become more available to more people um it's definitely going to help the brand but also want to point out that i want to correct myself and um, make clear that this is not an exclusive deal um nbc could very well still also have um Mm. rights over nhl so they could be um splitting uh future um stanley cups and um nhl coverage in the coming year. So it's not going to be exclusively ESPN as of yet. Just wanted to point that out there. Well, you did say that um, they have four Stanley cups yeah. at, for the next seven years. So I would assume someone else is going to be getting those mm-hmm. as well. So they don't have all seven they've got. Okay. Cool. Was hockey a big deal for you? And um, you're from South Carolina, if I remember. Was Yeah. Um, well, you know what? My mom's from Charlestown. My dad just kind of adopted all the Boston sports. So for me growing up, kind of when, you know, like 20 or 2011, when they were in the Stanley Cup. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, people playing it, we don't have ice rinks anywhere. Um, 
I don't think there may be like roller hockey leagues, but in terms of fan base, I probably had about three friends that supported hockey and no one really baseball, like you said, baseball and football are kind of the things there. So. Yeah. All right. Moving on. We're going to go to on this day in sports history. We have a lot of hockey stuff here, but I'm just going to point out one of the big ones. A lot of um, historical hockey days happened this week, but um, first thing, I want to point out, um, 1869 on this week, the Cincinnati Red Stockings became the first professional baseball team. Um, in 1892, it was the very first public basketball game. So in 1891 was when basketball was created by Dr. James Naismith in Springfield, Massachusetts. And it was to basically condition young athletes during the cold. And the original game consisted of peach baskets and a soccer-style ball. And the objective of the game was to throw the basketball into the fruit baskets, nailed into the lower railing of the gym balcony. And every time a point was scored, the game was halted so the janitor could bring out a ladder and retrie- <laughs> retrieve the ball. Um, and after a while, the bottoms of the fruit baskets were removed. So that kind of eventually led into us just putting nets in there being a hole so we didn't have to grab the basketball. So it made it a lot more convenient. Um, but yeah, in 1892, the first basketball game was played. That's from DePiro basketball. Um, in 1903, it kind of hurt me to write this, but um, the New York Highlanders, who would later become the Yankees, were approved as members of the American League. So they finally ingratiated themselves in that league. And 1917, this is our one of our hockey ones, or our only hockey one, but it's the biggest one. It was the first NHL championship game to ever be played. The Toronto Arenas beat the Montreal Canadiens 7-3 in the first of a two-game set. Um, and then in 1900, the National League decides to go with eight teams, and they exclude Baltimore, Cleveland, Louisville, and Washington. Um, and then in 1953, the, um, the Boston Braves would eventually move to Milwaukee and become the Brewers. So... Um, yeah, interesting stuff. Anything for you guys stand out from on this week in sports history? Uh, I'll go first. Uh, shout out Springfield. Shout out Western Massachusetts. I'm just going to say that quickly since that's home for me. I kind of trash that place when I talk to people about where I'm from. But, I mean, still, that's one of the greatest things about Springfield is that basketball started there and that the Hall of Fame's there. So, yeah, that's my take. I love that fun fact. That was funny to just picture a janitor being like, okay, like guys, I'm going to crawl up and get the ball. I think that's just hilarious. And like, you would think that initially they would like cut the holes out at first, but you know, like practice makes perfect and trial and error. There you go. And then here we are. Yeah. With how big basketball has gotten, that's got to be one of the top inventions of the last century. I mean, could you imagine watching the game today and be like, all right, three-pointer by Damian Lillard. All right, let's take a five-minute intermission while we go and retrieve the ball. Like, no one would watch, so. Oh, it takes so long. <laughs> I'm so glad. I mean, at the end of the game, a minute left in basketball is already, like, the longest minute in sports. So, thank God someone was like, yeah, let's cut a hole under there and just it <laughs> when it goes through. Like, that's a genius idea. Um and yeah, the Yankees have been around for since 1903. That's they've been around for a couple of years, I guess. That was um, just um, they were around before that. That was just when they were moved allowed into the American League. So the Highlanders itself, the team was ah, so okay. That was just gotcha. them actually coming into the American League. 
wonder how old the Red Sox oh, okay. are. I know 1912 is the year that Fenway was erected. I think at least the 1800s. Yeah. I'm about to Google that real quick. Okay. Let's figure that out. While they're doing that, one thing I want to point out that I don't know yet, but I'm very curious about is whether the bottoms of the fruit baskets were like just worn down and created a hole because of how much they were used or they actually cut them out. Because if they were just worn down, I think that also speaks to the sturdiness of fruit baskets in the <laughs> hundreds. Um, but like you guys said, I can't imagine just, you know, using like a soccer ball as a basketball and just shooting it in a fruit basket and having a janitor climb up every time. So I don't know what the scores must have been like. Could have been like soccer scores or something like that. Yeah. And there was no backboard for the longest time too. So, you know, a bad oh, shot could, could go way further than it should. And Tim Duncan probably wouldn't have been – he probably would have stuck with swimming if that was the case. So, yeah, thank the, God for the backboard too. The baskets were nailed to a lower railing on the balcony. So it was just like a one bar. There was no actual, like, actual backward, like you said, James. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Chris, you got, you got when the Red Sox were founded? Oh, oh, yeah. According to a Wikipedia, it says they were established in 1901. And from 01, 1901 to 1907, they were the Boston Americans. Mm. And in 1908, they became the Red Sox. For some reason, I thought they were around in the 1800s, but I guess not. So, when were we the Braves? Okay, 1953. Okay, so they're Americans. Okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, the Braves were um, another team from Boston, and then they ah, then they yeah. switched. Yeah. If we still had two baseball teams in Boston. Imagine that. That would have, that would know. be amazing. I know New York has like four teams in every sport and they still suck. So imagine if, imagine if we had a couple for each. Four eggs in the basket. Right. It's two for every sport we have. You get a basket. <laughs> well, they have more. Like, in, like if you include Buffalo, they have pretty much three in a bunch. Yeah, that is true. Thank Julia, we- do you want to talk soccer? Or? Yeah, we can talk a little football. This is a long show, guys. We might be breaking records tonight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is absolutely the longest one we've had. No care. Cool. More the merrier. I mean, you kind of already touched on the question, but, um, you know, so like, Celia, what was it like growing up in the U.S. with a parent who was a a big international football fan? Like, who did you root for during the World Cup? and, And what's your take on the MLS? I know that's like three questions all in one, but. Yeah. No, I'm. I think I'm ready. Um, so I think if you know me and I think I've talked about this a lot in like classes that we've all had, it's a really big part of who I am. And I think my dad's passion for, I'm going to say soccer, but around him, I say football. I'm just going to say soccer for the sake of the viewers. Um, I think it was my dad's passion for soccer that kind of allowed me to fall in love with, you know, just sports in general. Um, like I think I think English soccer fans and like Argent Argentinian soccer fans, Brazil, like I think they have some of the craziest supporters in the world. I mean, I love my Boston sports, but until you go to an English soccer game, rival game, it's it's incredible. Um, the passion that they have. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I just kind of really admire, you know, just the heart and soul that people give to their teams. And I've kind of 
adopted that into every single team that I support, which I'm grateful for. Um, this is a, a fun question that I, I'm glad that you asked because um, when it comes to the World Cup and the Olympics are, I think they begin in July of this year, and I'm really excited for that. I do prefer the World Cup just in terms of soccer, but I mean, I guess the, um, the Olympics provide, you know, sports, all kinds of sports. Um, when it comes to the men's team, I support England just because I grew up and I watch the English Premier League. So I support the men's team, you know, Harry Kane. I don't know if you guys know any of these guys, but Harry Kane's a big Tom Brady fan. Um, Harry Kane, Kyle Walker, I mean, Wayne Rooney, David Beckham, all those guys I grew up watching, you know, for their teams and then they play and represent England. So I'm a, an England fan and also I'm loyal to my father when it comes to that. When it comes to the women's, this is not me being a bandwagon or trying to like pick the better team. It just comes down to like who I grew up watching, you know, like Julie Ernst, um, Alex Morgan, um, Carly Lloyd, um, who are all the other girls? Let's see, uh, Abby Wambach, you know. Um, you know, I grew up watching them and some of them are still like on the team today and you know, they're a lot better, I think, than the England national team and the U.S. men's national team. I don't know how that would go if the U.S. women's national team and then the men's played each other, because I think we all know, like, men just have a different... <laughs> I see that Josh is a fan of Alex Morgan. <laughs> Who isn't? Listen. Oh. I should say... Oh, there we go, Jinx. I should say she plays for Tottenham Hotspur now, which is my... Um, which is my favorite team in London. So she's actually lives in England full time right now. Um, yeah, we love Alex Morgan, but yeah, no. So I'm kind of torn when it comes to like supporting like national teams. What was the last question? Um, oh, the MLS. So, I mean, I don't really, yeah, I don't really watch the MLS. I've actually done a few things for the Suffolk sports report about the new England revolution. And I try to support them as much as I can, but I just, it's just not as fun to watch. Um, the one thing that I do want to say about the MLS is I used to kind of view it as like a, like a place for the European players to come. And like, if they don't necessarily want to retire, but they still want to keep playing, they can like come to the MLS, which I think like, sorry, like, like David Beckham did that. Um, one of my favorite, Robbie Keane and Terry Henry. I think he played for Arsenal. He, they all did that, you know. Um, but now I think it's becoming more of like a stepping stone up. So like players that aren't necessarily making it in Europe yet can like make a name for themselves in the MLS and they can hopefully like get noticed. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I do like when the World Cup comes around because I think like being in America for all of them, I do see like, some sort of excitement grow every time the world cup comes around, whether it's for America or just their favorite team that they like. A lot of people just latch on to like France or Germany or Croatia and never England. Um, but so it's nice to see the passion and interest in soccer, but it kind of like slowly goes back down once the world cup ends, but it's interesting to see like, the dynamic that soccer has had over the years here, but. So are you, um, Celia, are you a bigger fan? Oh, by the way, just so you know, James had to take off a little bit early to all our listeners. So if you don't hear for the rest of the podcast, that's, 
That's he's why. okay. <laughs> he did, he he's alive not. and well. Yeah. Um, Celia, are you more kind of in tune with the uh, men's um, teams or um, women's teams that you pay attention to? Men's. I'm definitely a big English Premier League fan, which is, um, I don't know, like how much you guys know, but I know like just kind of being alive in sports culture, you've probably heard of like Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal, um, all those teams. That's the league that they're in. Um, you know, the team, the league that, you know, Messi plays in, that's, what is it, Serie A? That's, that's in, um, I want to say Italy. It's not in Italy. It's in Spain. It's in, um, he plays for Barcelona still. Um, what's his name? Ronaldo, he has been traveling around a little bit over the years, and he actually left Real Madrid, and I forget where he went. But I pay attention mainly to the English Premier League just because that's, like, what I grew up with. But a cool thing about that European league is um, there's this one league called the Champions League, and it's the top four. It's usually the top four to five teams from every league in Europe. So the English, Spanish, Italian, um, what's another one? German, German leagues. So basically all the top teams from every single like country in Europe all get together in one big league and they all play each other which I think is just like a really cool concept. And like, I don't know if we could ever do that with any, like, uh, like in America, but I just, I think it's a really cool thing. And at the end of the, at the end of the year, you know, you get crowned the best team in Europe, which is like a pretty cool accomplishment. And it's just great to see like the best players in England play, you know, like the best players in Spain. So I love that concept and it's really fun to watch. One um, question that I have for you is like you, you mentioned it, um, like um, when the World Cup comes around, um, interest in soccer like peaks up. And, mm-hmm. you know, soccer, it isn't the biggest sport in the U.S. You know, I think football would probably be number one, followed by basketball, I'd say. But, um, but the last time I remember soccer just being huge was when we were playing Belgium in the World Cup. And Tim Howard had that amazing game where I don't remember how many saves he had, but he, he could have blocked whatever he wanted that day he was amazing so um but after that you know our men's team has kind of dropped off again even though um no everyone's excited about the women's team but it's not like continued to maintain the success while um they're at they're playing so like right after everything drops off so what do you think is a way for soccer to kind of ingratiate itself with the u.s populace and kind of remain like a consistent sport that people tune into and watch um, year round? So that's a good question. So I think kind of what we were just talking about with um, the NHL deal, um, I think accessibility is like a big thing. Um, I don't know if any of you guys remember this and I highly recommend it um, after to go look up the NBC Ted Lasso campaign. Have you guys heard or seen any of that? It's I've seen the um, shorts on YouTube. I haven't seen the show though. Yeah, yeah. The shorts are like what created that show or what like inspired that show. Um, So that's when the English Premier League was coming to NBC. Um, So I think I think just being able to access the games is a big thing. I love that campaign and I think it was hilarious. And I think that kind of sparked a little interest. Um, I think I mean, when I watch a lot of the shows, it's mainly just British commentators and people like Tim Howard. I think I think Americans, um, like people in the industry, broadcasters, commentators, but also ex-players 
need to like try and maybe start their own shows or um, do the work they need to do to get it on other networks. Cause I think right now English Premier League is really only on NBC and a lot of games are just on Peacock and a lot of people don't have Peacock. I don't know about you guys. My, my dad will buy anything to watch his team. So I've got Peacock, but we don't need any more streaming services that we already yeah. do. Just yeah. I don't, I don't think you should have to have a streaming, like five streaming services just to watch your team. So I think, I think we just need to make it easier for people to, you know, to watch it. And I, I, I think there's always going to be the concept misconception that soccer is boring to watch and people are entitled to their opinions, but we'll see. Hopefully people just have more patience with it. And I don't know. I think every time the, when the world cup comes around, everyone gets really excited and enjoys it. And they, you know, sing the chants and pretend like they're crazy English people and then kind of dies out. So We'll see. By the way, we're probably never going to get sponsored by MSNBC or NBC on this show. We've been railing on them all show long <laughs> with the ESPN contract and now Peacock. So, um, you know, I'm sorry, NBC. I know I worked for you. Me and Celia worked for you once. Technically. Ooh, you guys are getting fired. Oh, no. um, next week. <laughs> um. Last question on this, Celia. James asked it, but we didn't get to get to it yet. How do you view the MLS? Because that's, I think, on the world stage, from what I've seen, like, through forums and comments, the MLS is kind of viewed always as, like, the little brother to all the other leagues where all, yeah. like, the old guys come to play when they're basically too old to play in um, other leagues. How do you um, view the MLS? So that's kind of what I was saying earlier. I always viewed it as, like, a stepping down like all my favorite players when they were getting a little older, they would go to America and like move their family and have this nice life in LA or wherever, New York. Um, but in the last few years, I've noticed that it's become a little bit more of like a stepping stone up to, for people to get a little bit um, more recognized globally um, before they, you know, get signed and go to Europe. Um, they make a name for themselves in the MLS and that's up to them. I think one of the most prominent players that I can think of right now is Christian Polsnick. Um, he plays for a German team right now. I got to, I got to find out, but he's, he plays for the U S men's national team. And he was, I think like 18 years old when he played for the national team and was signed and went to Germany to play. So he, he's one of the rare ones and one of the first ones but one thing I do want to say about the MLS is I think there's like 27 teams right now, um, which I think in the Premier League, there's about 20. So we've got a little, you know, America's a bigger country. Everything's a little spread out. But um, I think in the next few years, I think this year and then over the next two years after that, we'll be adding four more teams. And Josh, you're from Sacramento, aren't you? Yeah, there was discussion about that. So yeah, yeah, twenty twenty three is um, going to be the first year. I don't know what they're going to be called, but Sacramento, St. Louis, Charlotte, which is close to my home, and Austin, Texas, are going to be getting teams, which is cool because that's that's another way that we can get more people interested is have teams from you know places people are from, so they can support them and go to the games. Because sometimes it just starts with. You know, you maybe not like you're a soccer fan, but maybe you just want to go to the game with your friends and get rowdy and have a few beers. And that is the beginning of, you know, great memories. And that's sometimes how it starts for people. So that'll be a good move. I'm hoping for the, for MLS in those cities. 
Yeah. I know Sacramento also has a USL team. I don't know. What mm. But uh, we have a Sacramento Republic FC team, which they, pop, they kind of play in like a smaller stadium, but yeah. it's still really large. But um, I know we have that. I don't know what USL is. So I can't exactly talk about that. Yeah, I'm not too seasoned. <laughs> um, but anyway... All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. That's going to do it for this very first part of the episode. We're going to release a very special episode later this week in just a couple days where we're going to be talking about the greatest moments for us as Boston sports fans and just a little bit about us reliving some of those world titles that we've been able to accumulate over this last decade. So make sure to tune in to that in just a couple days. But other than that, thanks for listening. That's going to do it for this week's main episode uh we'll see you guys in a couple days thanks